0: downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Let's try and keep that atmosphere this morning as we're looking at these scriptures. I feel like I could just hang out in that space all morning, but let's not leave that space. I just think God is here this morning and in this season, in connect groups, this season, this uh, This topic that we're on at the moment, let's just keep our eyes focused on Jesus, because we're looking at prayer. And I just want to say, again, just for those of you that you feel like, you know, not qualified, this isn't for you. Um, In in the scripture, which we're going to read in a minute, Jesus is not happy with the Pharisees and the Bible. These are the guys, the religious ones, the ones who have the, uh, the, you know, the power card of religion, who are doing these long, eloquent, fancy prayers. But Jesus is really hard on these people because that is not how Jesus views prayer. So whatever kind of part of the scale, if there is even a scale that you're on in your, um, your relationship with prayer this morning, it's for you. If if there's any moment this morning you think, this is not for me, this excludes me, just have a little check in your mind that this is for you. This is for you because God wants a relationship with all of us. Amen? All of us, whatever our past, whatever our present, whatever our future, God wants a relationship with us all. And this is the, uh, the context which we read this passage, of the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to read some scripture this morning, some of it we've already looked at, either last Sunday, maybe uh, at Connect Group, and probably coming back to it again, I'd have thought, over the coming weeks as well, because it's just so uh, central, I think, to um, how we uh, approach prayer. And the topic, the title for this morning, sorry, is The Example of Prayer. The example of prayer. So we're going to look through some scripture this morning and see what is the example of prayer given to us, primarily from Jesus, but we're going to look elsewhere at a few bits as well. But we're going to read this passage from Matthew chapter 6, first of all, it's the passage which you'd expect us maybe to go to, which we've read quite a bit recently, but we're going to read it again because this is Jesus talking about prayer. I think that's a pretty good thing for us to focus on. So it says in verse 5 of chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus, he says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we're going to look at various different um, aspects of prayer this morning, different um, examples in the scripture. Now there is loads we could talk about on prayer, like trying to... Condense a talk down where there's just so much that can be said on the topic of prayer. I mean, that's why we're going to do, uh, carry on talking about it in the coming weeks and at connect groups. But I've got three main sections, three main um, things that I want us to look at this morning. And the first one is to pray intentionally. This is if we want to learn how to pray, if we want to pray as Jesus prayed, as the scriptures teach us to pray. One of the the main ways that we see, and I think we see in this passage which we just read, is that if we want to grow in our prayer life with God, we need to learn to be able to pray intentionally. Verse 6, where we just read, Jesus said, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Prayer, I found from my experience, doesn't tend to happen by accident. I don't know whether you find that. Prayer does not usually happen by accident. It might, it might happen if you uh, drive off the edge of a cliff by accident and you're falling. Prayer might happen a little bit more deliberately at a point like that. There, there might be um, something, you might go to a wedding or something where there are prayers and you expect that. And there's a prayer and you join with a prayer prayer. Um, uh, all these different events, funerals, christenings. You, you might have seen prayer in those sorts of environments through your life. Maybe even a few weeks ago at Christmas dinner, maybe there was a prayer. Like Those sorts of environments, prayer kind of happens, whether you want to or not. You don't have to be very intentional, I think, to, to see prayer happening in those kinds of places. But I find for the, for the vast majority of life, prayer doesn't happen by accident because life is busy isn't it life is so busy many of us even now we can think of things we've got to do this afternoon and tomorrow and this week Lots of us have got a thing in our houses called a television, which apparently we are living in a golden age of TV series at the moment, and we have box sets galore which we can just watch. And they autoplay, don't they? They just keep going one episode to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. You seem, I'm going to watch 20 minutes, but then suddenly time can just whiz by with these things. And then there's the old phones that we have, which just a black hole of time, which can just um, take away all our attention all the time. But if we want to deepen our prayer life, we need to be intentional about it we need to be intentional about it just a few verses um, just about um, Jesus and how he approached prayer all quite similar but Matthew chapter thirteen twenty three said that after he had dismissed them he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray later that night he was there alone Luke chapter 5:16 said, "But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed." And then Luke chapter six, verse 12. Similarly, it says, "One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God." Jesus, the Son of God, made space to pray. He was intentional about his prayer life. And we're talking about Jesus. I mean, in my kind of view, when I think of Jesus, I think there are so many people he could have been talking to in that time. I mean, his time was short, wasn't it? He had like three years of his ministry. And like, why did he spend it by himself on a mountain? There were people he could have been talking to, people he could have been helping, people he could have been healing, all these amazing things that he could have been doing with his time. But he felt it necessary and important that he had to be very intentional about prayer. He didn't just pray as he was going from one place to the next. Well, let's call, kill two birds in one stone. I've got to go from this town to that town. So I'm just going to pray along the way. No, He made specific time in his day to pray. And I think it's fair to say if Jesus had to pray, <laughs> I think I've got to pray. If you want to grow in your prayer life, if you mean that prayer that we prayed earlier, teach me how to pray. I think one of the first lessons which we learn is to withdraw. In some kind of way. Now I'm just gonna pause because this is the bit where some of you are thinking, but hold on a minute, this is where I was feeling pressured before, and then you said don't worry, prayers for me, but I can't do that. And just just stay with me just for a few minutes. Okay, and this isn't just some huge, heavy boom thing I'm gonna throw on you where you've got to take four days off work this week to pray for four days, else you're not a proper Christian. It's nothing like that. We can relax this morning because as I said, prayer is for all of us. But Jesus did say to go into your room and close the door to withdraw. Why? Why, why do you think Jesus was very deliberate about telling us to withdraw to pray? Because we can pray everywhere, can't we? We often say that. Well, I pray all the time. I pray when I'm in the car. I pray when I'm walking. That's brilliant. That is amazing. I'm not going to say anything against that. We need to do that more. But there is a principle in Scripture that I think that says to withdraw to pray. And I think Jesus highlights a few of the reasons why this is important in this passage that we read. Because one thing, I think it prevents us from putting on a performance, If the only time that we pray is when we are at church, in front of other people, at Connect Group, maybe even in front of your family, maybe, I don't know. We can be so tempted to put on a performance of these elaborate prayers which Jesus kind of criticised. I think when we take time to withdraw and be intentional about doing that to pray, I think it pulls us out of the rhythms and the customs of this culture and this world which we live in. Just the, the, the normal rhythm that you I mean, You talk to someone at, at work, what are you doing tonight? Well, I've got to go home, I've got to put the food on, I've got to put the kids to bed, then I've got to watch this, I've got to do that. Like, that's all fine, that's great, we've all got most of that as well, but it's just breaking us out of that rhythm that everyone else lives by, that, no, we're Christians, we're followers of Jesus, we do things just a bit differently sometimes. And also, we withdraw because it forces us to put our focus on to him. There might be things in your life, difficulties at the moment, problems, issues, and it's very tempting to just always be trying to fix them all the time in our own strength, in our own ways. But no, we stop and we pause and we say, God, I, I'm going to trust you with this. And it puts our focus back on him. So Jesus, we see, he was intentional about withdrawing. And in those scriptures, he often it says he went to a mountainside. You might be thinking, well, Tom, I do not see any mountains in Preston. How do I do this? What does this look like? Well, I mean, it might look like going to the Lake District for a day and praying. If you want to do that, absolutely, you can go for that. That is fine. But I think it's really um, pointing at us being intentional, not just about going to a particular uh, a mountain, but it's about us removing the distractions of our life so we can focus on him. What does this look like? Just an example. This is one which um, is used quite regularly, but I just think it's, it's a brilliant example. If I wanted to run a marathon, if I applied for the London Marathon today and I somehow got a a spot for it to go and do it, I would be foolish to turn up on the day of the London Marathon at that starting line. I could buy whatever trainers I wanted to buy. I could buy whatever shorts and water bottle and fitness tracker Fitbit thing. I could do all of that stuff. But that is not how you prepare for a London Marathon. You don't prepare for a London Marathon by going, I'm going to run this marathon because I'm ready to run it and I'm going to try my absolute best to run it. You prepare for a London Marathon. Apparently, I've never run a London Marathon. You can ask Jack. He ran the London Marathon. Um, I think he loves people knowing that. (laughs) I would. If I run a London Marathon, i will tell everyone, Hi, I'm Tom. I ran the London Marathon. Nice to meet you. If you want to prepare for a London Marathon, you need to train for the London Marathon. You train for it. You might go on the internet and find like, some sort of program that you can follow. How do I go from the point where I am now to running a London Marathon? It might be you start with a walk. It might be just a, you know, a two-minute walk, five-minute walk, and then maybe a little jog, and then you build it up day after day after day, then you have a rest day, maybe you have to change your food around a little bit, and you get a program, and you train to the point that you want to get to of running that London Marathon. And it's really similar with prayer, I think. John Ortberg says that spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. There's another quote. Don't worry. He says, spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. Because we can so easily hear a message like this and think, that's it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. This week, I'm going to pray for like two days, nonstop. And that's brilliant. If you want to pray for two days nonstop, amazing. You can go for that. I would struggle very much to do that. But what we can very easily do is we have this i'm gonna try harder i'm gonna gonna do it i'm gonna try and then we try with all the trying that we've got in our bones and our body and then we fail and we think "Oh, i can't do it it's not meant for me back to the box set like that's how we work oftentimes as human beings john utberg he carries on and he says and the quotes on the screen he says following jesus this this quote here rattled my life i want you to know that This, is, this changed the way I approach my relationship with Jesus. Following Jesus simply means learning from him how to arrange my life around activities that enable me to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Just take a minute just to read that slowly. Following Jesus simply means learning from him. How to arrange my life around activities that enable me to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Now one of those activities is prayer. It's going to be practical just for the end. Just three sections this morning just as we approach the end of the first one. It's going to be really practical just for a few minutes. Because I know we're all in different kind of places with this. Some of us just, maybe you've been praying for years. Maybe you're good at prayer. Maybe you found yourself in a bit of a rut though where you just feel like you've not really got deepened in that area of your life. Maybe it's just got a bit stale, the way you're approaching it. Maybe you just really struggle with prayer. You, you sit down to pray, and I'm going to oh, go, I'm going to pray for uh, Uncle Bob because he's not very well. I'm going to pray for... And then sort of you, you run out and you, you know, and you leave it. So wherever you are on the scale, just you might just want to pick something out of here. It might be nothing from here, but it just triggers just an idea of maybe just approaching prayer a little differently, maybe a bit more creatively. But just a few little tips what we see in the scripture but one thing pick a time just decide a time when you're going to pray put it into your schedule this week it might be a night it might be an hour it might be 10 minutes it might be two minutes i don't know pick a time make it an appointment with god you know you make an appointment with someone and you you don't cancel on them do you if you've got an appointment with a friend to go meet them for coffee you try your very best to not cancel that appointment make an appointment with god this week when are you going to spend time just sitting and praying and talking with Jesus? Choose a place. Choose a place. It used to before I had kids. This was easy. Well, I'll just sit on a chair. It's not a problem. <laughs> but pick a place. Pick a place where there's a moment, some room where you can actually be withdrawn a little bit, like Jesus did. It might be just a room in your house that you need to go to. It might be the garden. It might be you have to go for a walk. Find somewhere to sit. Find a place where you can be focused and intentional about your prayer. It might help you to maybe make a list before you pray. If you sometimes struggle, I don't know what to pray for. I know there's loads of stuff, but I just can't think of it when I start to pray. Make a list. Maybe have a little file on your phone that when just stuff crops up, when you're talking to people, maybe different things that go on, you just make a note. I'm going to pray for that. And you add it to your list. So you've actually got a place to go to when you go to pray. If you pick up a newspaper, I'm sure you will find various things that you can pray about. These are things that can just guide us through our prayer. Remove distractions. Remove distractions. Turn the TV off. (laughs) Turn it off. Put airplane mode on your phone. It's really easy. I'll show you how to do it afterwards if you do not know. You have notification settings in your phone. If you do not know how to change these, I can show you afterwards. You don't need to be notified when you get an email from Airbnb. You just don't need that to disrupt your life, what you're doing. You can do that later. You can change all these things on your phone. I will help you with this. If I can't do it straight after, I promise I will help you at some point. These are things that we can do to stop us being distracted. Our attention spans, I don't know whether you know this, they're shrinking. Scientists have said our attention spans are shrinking. <laughs> and probably massively due to this thing. Have you, any of you found that you've been watching a film and you've just got bored and you keep going to your phone and that didn't happen a few years ago? Anyone found that? Please let it not just be me. Matt, there's a couple of honest people in the room. Our attention spans are shrinking. You might think, well, what's this got to do with prayer? This is just like, it doesn't matter, does it? It matters. This is the stuff that is robbing us of our prayer life. We talk about binging TV. There is no other place where we use the word binging in a positive way other than TV, is there? We don't, oh, what you oh, I want to go binge on some drink. We don't, we don't do that some people might do it but we don't like gloat about it we do i'm gonna go and binge on some cake that's what i'm gonna do oh, i'm gonna sit there and just binge on cake but we do it with tv i'll binge on tv for the day no i don't want to be preachy and religious TV's a great way to relax a lot of the time but when it starts robbing us of our prayer life we've got to address it and i want to encourage you maybe just to think that might be the only thing you take away from this morning i need to address how my attention span is robbing me of my prayer life that might be something for you to take away and think about it. When you pray, maybe just set a target. You know, maybe not a day, maybe, maybe not a night, maybe not three hours, maybe not an hour. Maybe it'll be two minutes. Maybe just set a timer on your phone so you know when I'm not going to check my phone until that buzzer goes off. And I'm praying until that moment. Uh, Just a quick, there's there's one resource, there's loads of prayer resources, but if you go to 24-7prayer.com, 24-7prayer.com, and then there's a section on there, help me pray. There's just a whole list of really practical ways. If you think, I I don't know what to do when I pray, go somewhere like that. There's loads of stuff that will just help you um, just go on this prayer journey and get a little bit deeper. But that's um, pray, pray intentionally. We need to pray intentionally. The second thing I want us to look at is that we need to pray continuously. I think if we're serious about that prayer, teach me how to pray. I think one of the things that come up in Scripture is we need to pray continuously. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.17, pray without ceasing. So what does this look like? <laughs> Pray without ceasing. Pray continuously. Well, I mean, I've got a job, Tom. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to make calls to clients and things. I've got a family. I, I can't, I've got to walk around with headphones on all day, listening to the latest Bethel CD. Like, is that what it looks like to be able to pray continuously? Because I can't do that. Well, no, that's not what praying continuously looks like. A few weeks ago was Christmas, and this year. Um, we had Christmas at our house for the first time which meant that I was on the duty of cooking the Christmas dinner which I'd never done before and if you told me a few years ago that I'd be cooking a Christmas dinner I would have been horrified and thought well that sounds like it's going to be a busy day for the fire brigade but um, this year I was doing it and um, building up to it I, I prepared myself for it I, I looked around a diff- few different recipes and then I, st- I, I decided I was going to do Jamie Oliver so I, I had the Jamie Oliver uh, thing on TV which i recorded and I watched it I spent time watching it maybe rewinding it a little bit just to see what he did just checking (laughs) And then um, I even... Signed up for something, which kind of ordered it all for the, the, the time schedules for the whole day and everything like that. Um, I did the food shop probably a few days before Christmas. I had to f- make sure i go through the ingredients. I've got everything that I need. On the 23rd, I made the gravy. So I got all my vegetables. I, I, it was good. I properly went for it. Chicken wings, roasting them, all this kind of thing, mashing it all up, getting the gravy ready in the fridge ready. So I didn't have to think about that. Christmas Eve, I was getting the turkey ready. I did the stuffing. Um something else, potatoes, all that kind of thing, get my vegetables already. ready. It, and, and then on Christmas Day, the idea was that there's not so much to do on Christmas Day, but there was still a lot to do on Christmas Day. I had my schedule, I had my plan, I had my routine of how the whole day was going to go. Now, I was not cooking for the whole of Christmas. I was not in the kitchen for the whole of Christmas Day. I had loads of time where we were doing presents and family stuff and all the things that you do on Christmas. However, because everything of that day was programmed around this meal that I was making, it was always just at the forefront of my mind. I wasn't there. I didn't have spatulas. I wasn't there with like oven gloves and an a, and a apron on, walking around, cooking like steam coming out of the kitchen the whole time. I felt very present on Christmas Day. But because I had made that like such a focal thing, everything that we did was sort of based around the schedules and the routines of that. It meant that even when I wasn't in the kitchen cooking I was still kind of there I was still sort of the lifestyle of that day if you like was that I was cooking and it's really similar with prayer you know we can't spend 24 hours of every day sat praying but when we make it when we are intentional, which we said before, about our prayer life, we find that as we go through our everyday, as we're doing drop-off for kids at school, as we're doing some shopping, as we're at work, as we're filling the car with petrol, all these sorts of routine things of life, because we've been making prayer an intentional part of our life, you'll find that prayer is never far from the front of your mind. Um, Pete Gray, who runs the 24/7, he told this one story about how once he decided that he wanted to go um, out to the, uh, like, into the Lake District, wherever it was, and he wanted to just have a day praying, which is amazing. And he says that he got there and it was chucking it down with rain, and the weather was terrible, and he had all of his gear on, and he's walking around, he's following his map, and then he got to like the end of the day, and he thought, "I've not prayed. I forgot. What a wasted opportunity! I've not prayed." And he said that at that moment he felt that God kind of said. I quite enjoyed it, really, because he'd had this day where he was just being present with God. He wasn't like bringing this list of stuff before him. God, do this. God, do this. God, do that. God, can you do that? I'm struggling. Like he was in, his whole life is centered around prayer. It was still in a place of prayer, despite him not actually verbally praying to God at that time. So when we are intentional about praying to God, this is how we can pray Continuously we'll find that our thoughts go to him more regularly. Our decisions, our motives, the compass of our heart will be pointing towards him when we make prayer a priority. Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is more than just something that we do for little slots in a week. It is much more than that. It's about a constant relationship with God. The Bible says, wherever your treasure is there, your heart will also be. If Jesus is your treasure your heart will be there. Whatever your job is, whatever you do with your, your, your days, whether it's with kids, whether it's um, at work, whether it's in a job that you hate and feels pointless, and why am I doing this? this is you. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. So even when you're in those places, you'll be in a prayerful place because Jesus is your treasure. So we need to pray intentionally, we need to pray continuously, and then we need to pray where we're at. Pray where you're at. Jesus said in verse 6 of the text that we read, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, be real. Go into your room where there's no fluff of people and opinions and what they think of you. I want you to be real with me. I want you. I don't want anyone else. I want you. I want time with you. I don't know what the uh, example of prayer is that you may be seeing in our, in our culture maybe growing up. I think, um, I think back to the school days, and I don't know whether it's the same. I think it's pretty similar in certain schools now. But we used to um, do the Lord's Prayer in school. And it was very much, you know, the, Oh, Father, who art in heaven. No, I'm not going to diss that. I think I'd rather be having prayer in school like that than no prayer. Oh, I think that's fantastic. But this can sort of frame sometimes the way that a lot of people view prayer just this sort of script of our oh Father who art in heaven, hallowed beyond. We always have that same sort of rhythm. It's really odd. But sometimes these, these are the examples that we see of prayer, in, of prayer in culture. As we said before, the way that people think of like weddings and even Christmas dinner, all these times how we uh, view prayer. And there's nothing wrong with any of these, but what God is really after. What he is really after when he wants us to go deeper in prayer, when he is calling us to prayer, is he wants us to be real with him. He wants us to be alone with him. He wants time where he can just speak to us and we can speak to him without all the noise of everything else of life. Whatever is going on in your life today, God knows your heart. Whatever's happened this week, if something's just got completely messed up in this past week, past year, past decade, whatever it might be, God knows your heart. So why do we hide it from him? (laughs) Why do we hide it from him? Why why do we try to be false when we pray sometimes? When God sees it all, it's said in the text, he knows what we're going to pray before we pray. He sees our heart. He knows where we're at. We can trust him when we pray. Prayer is about intimacy, it's about honesty, it's about uh, feeling safe to be who you are with God. I I just find in in, in all the different areas of my life, there's always pressure to be something, to be somewhere, to be someone, to have it together, to to know the answer, to know whatever, whatever, all these different stuff, but when we're with God, we can just be as we are. Whatever is going on, we can pray just the way that we are. Whatever day we've had, we need to be able to pray where we're at. We see examples of this in Scripture. There are loads of examples of this in the Psalms. There are loads of them, but one we're going to look at here in Psalm 139. This is a beautiful Psalm. This is one of the Psalms that we kind of read regularly, but often stop before this point. Because this this is a really nice Psalm. It's the one where it says about can find my page. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I rise. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Beautiful, really nice psalm. But then if you skip forward to verse... Verse 19, around there. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are rebelling against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Like, this is the kind of prayer, we don't read this together in prayer in, wo- in, in worship at church, do we? It's not one that we kind of join in, like, and there's reasons for that. But this is an example of David who was just so honest in his prayers before God. He was so honest. He was, he, he, didn't, he didn't just do the fake kind of prayers. He did this real stuff where he was at in his life. You can read it through, just have a thumb through Psalms later on, and you'll see the honesty that is in that book. It's really difficult to know what to do with it sometimes. It's like, wow, where does that come from? But there's amazing honesty from David in that book. And then straight after that passage, that's where he says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. And this is, we see him on this day where he's just filled with anger and he's confused about life. And that's where he is. So he prayed it. He prayed where he was at. He didn't just wait. We do not skip that verse and then get to the nice bit about search me, O God. Search me and find. He prayed in that place and he prayed in that place. He prayed where he was at. We see Jesus, here yeah, Jesus, Jesus doing a very similar thing on the cross where he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is a prayer I'd feel really awkward to say, but Jesus prays, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus taught us the example of prayer given by Jesus is that we need to be able to pray where we are at. If we don't pray where we're at, if we always wait for it to be sunny and nice and calm and no arguments and our bank account looks tidy and our friendships are all in place and our careers going well, if we try and wait for that day before we pray, we're not going to pray. Or if we are going to pray, it's just not going to be very deep. It's not going to be very real. God wants to be part of every single part of our lives. And he wants us to pray where we are at. It might be today. Or it might not be today. Today you might be doing fine. It might be next week or maybe in a month, maybe in a year. There might be a time, though, where you're finding it difficult to pray the nice, worshipful prayer to God. But I encourage you, don't let that stop you from praying. Because God wants you to pray. C.S. Lewis says that we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And I think what he's talking about there, he's talking about what we looked at at Connect Group, the mustard seed. God says you just need a mustard seed of faith. God doesn't ask us to do stuff that we don't have. You look at that scripture, that passage in Scripture, the widow with a with mite where she bought the money and everyone was putting all these big amounts of money and she put in what she had and that meant so much more. Jesus pointed her out as an example to everybody else. He wasn't asking her for like a million quid. She gave what she had. God asks us what we have. If, you, if God asks you to do something, it's easy for us to think, Well, I can't do that because I'm busy and I've got that on a Tuesday night and I'm a bit tired. If God asks you to do something, you've got it. You have got it and you can do it. You might not feel like you've got it. It might be you've just got the small grain of it, but it means that you can do it. It might be, for some of us, it's like you're not in the place to pray for 24 hours non-stop. You're not in the place to pray all night. I'm not going to tell you not to do that, absolutely, because prayer is amazing, however much you want to do it. But what I don't want you to do is beat yourself up when you can't do it. I want you to give, I'm going to encourage you this week to offer to God what it is that you've got. If that is 24 hours, whole night of prayer, then go for it, do that. If it's two minutes, give that to God this week. Next week, it might be two and a half minutes. It might be five minutes. It might change. But offer to God what it is that you have. I'm going to close um, with a story. And this is a story that uh, I heard from, again, Pete Gregg. He runs 24-7 Prayer. It's a fantastic guy, just really wise about prayer. But he was telling a story about uh, this guy called Paul. And Paul, was, um, he, he used to live with Pete. So Pete, there's Pete and there's Paul. Pete the Prayer guy, Paul the guy that lives with him. So Paul lived with Pete for a while because he, he's, I think he'd said he's a drug, um, recovering drug addict or something and they, they felt it was right for him to move into their home for a while. Um, now Paul um, lived there and, and one day they got a real uh, difficult call that said that his father had passed away. And so obviously it's a really difficult time for Paul. And then it got to the day of the funeral and all, the, all that kind of... Um, Area of the whole season, and he went back to his stepmother's house. And his stepmother said, "Look, Paul, if you want to go up to your the bedroom and choose something uh, from your dad, then then you, you can do that." He wasn't a wealthy man; there wasn't really a big inheritance. This is like quite a big decision for Paul to make. So Paul, he went up to the bedroom and he was looking around trying to find something that he could take to remember uh, his father by. And he saw this jumper, and he thought, I'm gonna, "That's the I'm going to take that jumper." So he took the jumper. And um, Pete, telling the story, said that Paul used to wear this jumper occasionally. And he always knew that when um, when Paul was wearing this jumper, it's because he's probably missing his dad, maybe on a difficult day. And 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 that was when he wore his jumper. And he was saying, the actu- in reality, the jumper looked terrible on him. It was a really, like, not very nice jumper. But he never wanted to tell him that because it meant so much to him. And then one day, his stepmother was going to come over to visit. Um, and so Paul said to Pete, I think I'm going to go and put my dad's jumper on I think I think that'd be just a real nice like gesture for for my stepmom so he did that he went upstairs put the jumper and came down and then the door went stepmother walked in and she said Paul why are you wearing my jumper I've been wondering where that's been I've lost that jumper I've been looking for it everywhere and he'd been wearing his stepmother's jumper it wasn't his father's jumper It was his stepmother's jumper But in prayer, as the band come, in prayer, do you find that it's so easy for us to use these things that make us feel closer to God? Nothing bad, really good stuff, books, worship songs, maybe even church, maybe seeing certain people sometimes. But we can use these things to try and make us feel closer to God. But what God is calling us to, I believe, is that he wants you. He doesn't want the middleman. That's great. There's times for that. That's really important. Those things can help us. But God is wanting more than that with us, church. He doesn't want us to have a relationship through some um, middleman of all these different things that we use to make ourselves feel closer to God. I mean, I've had that. I've had it at times. There might be like a song that really touches me and I just keep playing it because whenever I play it, I just feel like stirred up. And then one day it's like it doesn't work anymore. It's like oh, I just feel flat and it's like, well, what do I do now? But God wants us to have a relationship with Him where He knows us so close. And this happens in the context of prayer. In a minute, Theo is just gonna sing a song. Some of you might know it. We've not sung it here for I don't know, over ten years, a long, long time. But I just felt this is the song that's on my heart that. God wants us to respond to this morning. But I just want you just to just to sit as we sing this. You might want to stand, we might stand and sing this together later. But just for now, just have a, bit, just have a moment just between you and God, because God is calling you to prayer. This isn't a heavy calling, this is a light calling. God, I thank you that you Love every single person in this room. Every person that's listening to this on the podcast who might be in all kinds of places just going about their everyday life. God, I thank you that for all of us, you love us and you want a relationship with us and you want to hear from us and you want to speak to us and you want to give us the peace that passes all understanding. You want to give us hope. You want to give us treasure in our heart. You want to give us that lifestyle where we are living close to you in everything that we do. So I pray, God, that you would just stir something in our heart so that we would want to be intentional about prayer, that we would want our prayer to be continuous, and that we would have the humility and the wisdom to just pray wherever it is that we are at today. We pray, Holy Spirit, fill this room. Come and fill our hearts and put a hunger in our hearts for you. Where we've been dry, where we've neglected you, I pray, Holy Spirit, give us a hunger in our heart this morning.